Well, one thing that uh, never ceases to to just kind of keep me in a sense of awe is that uh, you know, we have we have one Creator, one Savior, one Lord, uh, one Holy Spirit, one Word of God, and many believers. And uh, how God. Um, in his sovereignty and his goodness and his grace and his ever presence and omniscience is uh, present to work in us with consistency um, in the body of Christ, though there's many of us, uh, that one word and one spirit are working out the will of God among us, even when we're not all together collaborating about it, right? Um, I bring that up just because the things that uh, Matt shared and prayed for today, and that Susie um, uh, spoke about with the with the kids. Uh, they're very things I've been contemplating all week and chewing on, and uh, really actually tie into what we're going to talk about today. Because today we're going to talk about sanctification, and um, and it's a, a a hefty word, but it actually has real life stuff attached to it. And so we're going we're gonna to take a look at that because our passage today in Hebrews chapter 10 is going to uh, hit upon that. Now as we go through, working our way through Hebrews, what we're kind of finding here as we um, get into several, several of these chapters here in Hebrews is that um, we're kind of, we're, we're kind of, uh, there's kind of a bit of repetition going on as as uh, the Holy Spirit is driving home the points that that God wants us to understand, and so what what we're doing last week and this week um, is a little bit different in that um, we've been kind of tackling the things that are directly in front of us in the passage, but now we're getting into passages where we we've kind of dealt with some of these things. So I'm not going to go back and and deal with them again. Um, if you want to go back and kind of look at, into those a little further. Those messages uh, are posted online, and you can go back and listen to those. Um, but uh, we're going we're gonna to kind of deal with some things that we haven't dealt with yet, and that comes at kind of in the middle of our passage today. And so, um, but we're going to talk about, we're gonna talk about the, the three dynamics, really, of, of salvation or sanctification, that there's a, there's a, a past uh, part of that, something that is done. There is something that is happening right now. And then there's something that is going to happen. And we're going to look at that and the, the implications of those for us as we're just seeking to walk with Christ every day. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your presence here with us. We thank you for your word, which speaks speaks life and truth to us, especially as the Holy Spirit empowers it in our lives and gives us understanding of it and, and wisdom by it. Lord, we ask that you would find our hearts and minds and souls a fertile place for the seed of your word to be sown today, that it would grow us in Christ's likeness. Um, Lord, that we would just daily be conformed uh, into the image of, of your Son and our Savior. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Alright, so before we, before we jump into our passage here, I just want to, uh, for your benefit here, put up uh, something that you, you might want to copy down, because um, we're going to be kind of dealing with these as we go along here this morning, and it's uh, the three uh, dynamics of, of uh, sanctification. Now, depending on your translation, it may actually be translated a little differently. Uh, I think the New Living Translation says made holy. Um, the ESV says sanctified. Um, it, 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 it means the same thing. It is the idea that we are, um, one is separated out of uh, corruption and, and, and um, profanity, not as in the way you speak, but rather uh, sin, a life and, and uh, sort of immersion in sin that God is setting us apart from that as being holy and righteous unto him. And so there's, a, so there's three dynamics of this, and one is a deliverance from the penalty of sin. And we can think of that, you might um, think of that, there's another word that often gets used for this, it's justification. It is being made right with God positionally. That is that when we come to Christ, and we'll talk more about these, but just to hit on it as, uh, at the beginning here, it is that uh, this is an act that God does uh, to, to make one holy and set apart to him as a, a one-time act that is complete. So when you come to, come to Christ and, and you place your faith in him and you you repent of your sins, that, that you submit to the lordship of, of Christ in your life, that uh, you are made positionally a child of God, accepted by him fully, not because you're righteous now all of a sudden, but because God takes the righteousness of Christ and clothes you in it. So you take upon, you are given a gift from God himself of the righteousness of his son Jesus Christ so that he views you not through your sin any longer but through the the righteousness of our Savior Jesus Christ. That is a work that is done. And that's really largely what we've been dealing with here in Hebrews. That is that Christ gave his life a sacrifice for sinners and it was complete, done, sufficient which replaced the, all the Old Testament sacrificial system because it was, that was never complete, that was never done, but the sacrifice of Christ was complete and sufficient. So the second part of, of the second dynamic is deliverance from the power of sin. Now this is the part where we are right now. You and I are living right here in number two. So if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, number one is done. That one's done. So in other words, you can think of uh, as far as being delivered from the penalty of sin, that's not something that you are working for. It's something you are now working from. You stand upon it. You're not working towards being delivered from uh, the penalty of sin. That's taken care of in Christ. But we are in number two. This is where we live. From, this is our time from, from cradle to grave. This is where we exist is number two, deliverance from the power of sin. 
whereby we are being conformed into the likeness of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God being applied to our life. And, and that's the part where there is tension and struggle and there's two steps forward and one step back. Uh, there's bruising and scarring along the way. There's victories and there's defeats and uh, there is this tension as we wrestle with sin in our own self and sin in the world that we live in. Which leads to then the third thing, which is what we look forward to, and that is the, the hope that Hebrews points us to, towards. Excuse me. Um, and uh, by the way, the second one is, so most commonly you'll hear these three things spoken of this way. The first one, justification. The second one, sanctification. And the third one, glorification. Those are three fancy words to distinguish between. But these are all part of the same package. Uh, I always hate to divide things up too much in Scripture because this is, this is not three separate things. These are all part of the work of God uh, in our life. So the, th- the third thing is deliverance from the presence of sin. This is where God removes us from a sinful world, uh, from the presence of, and, and, the, and the power of sin that we've experienced in our life, into glory, into uh, our, our eternal rest where we are free from the striving associated with living in a world of sin. And that is what we keep our eyes fixed on, that where we're going. So we stand upon number one, where we're living out number two, and we're looking forward to number three. And number three keeps pulling us forward. Number two gives us confidence to stand and keep going, and, and, or number one gives us confidence to stand and keep going, and number two is that, that, that place in between where we're living, standing upon what God has already done and looking forward to what God is going to do and, and being in the middle as we're sort of moving in the direction of, of, uh, of what God is going to bring to fruition for us. So that's a, a, a little, little once over there. So let's look at our passage this morning. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, they would, uh, they, would they not have ceased to be offered, since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any... Con- consciousness of sins but in these sacrifices there's a reminder of sins every year for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins so we've been talking about especially here in the last couple of chapters about um, the old covenant and the sacrificial system and the insufficiency of that and really how that was it was insufficient because it was a mere shadow of other heavenly things going on. So the heavenly thing that those were a shadow of is the many sacrifices were a shadow of the one sacrifice of Christ. That Christ came once for all to give His life for sinners. And to uh, and, and while those those, sac- those many sacrifices of bulls and, and goats, uh, they could never sanctify or set apart the sinner 
to God. Certainly not in the way that Christ's sacrifice does. Verse 5. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared, uh, have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So there's a, a, the quote here uh, that we see in verses uh, 5 through 7 are from Psalm uh, 40. And... Um, and there's, there's an interesting thing there that uh, is being pointed out and gets echoed further down in our passage today as there's a um, further quotation of, of Scripture. And that is that, that all along what God has sought are worshipers who worship from the heart and soul, not out of mechanics. Um, even as we were back in Exodus, we could see this playing out. That what God sought from his people was not the, the, the just checking of boxes, you know. Um, I went to the temple, gave my sacrifice, gave my offerings, um, check, 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 I must be now good with God. But in fact, the scriptures actually say um, it's, not, it's not burnt offerings and sin offerings that you take pleasure in. And actually, in uh, Psalm 51, uh, the end of towards the end of Psalm 51, you know, Psalm 51 starts out, "Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin." All right? But then you get further down there, and you know. Uh, one who is not really understanding what it is that God is asking from, from worshipers might just say, well, go to the temple, give your sacrifice, make your offering, and you'll be good. But as we get farther along in Psalm 51, it actually, the psalmist says this, for you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with burnt offering." The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. What God seeks the sinner to bring is a repentant heart seeking him, not a sacrifice to just, you know, here Lord, this ought to take care of the bill. But rather that our heart is desiring to be in fellowship with him and to be on right standing with him. Now this is, uh, as we look at the example of Christ, Christ certainly came and set that perfect example of obedience. That what Christ did was not the mechanics of religion, uh, though being born a Jew and keeping Jewish customs, it was never mechanics to him. 
It was never just tradition to him. Well, we've always done it this way, so we'll just keep doing it this way. This must be what pleases God because we've been doing it for generations. But rather that Christ came and, and uniquely uh, uh, lived out the Jewish customs with a heart inclined to, to serve his Father. And set that example perfectly, which is why then it says here, in burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come to do your will. See, there's, it's like there's being a contrast established between, yeah, we can come, we can go through the mechanics, and we can you know, give our tithes and offerings, we can show up to worship on Sunday, we can uh, write our checks to you know, whatever mission organization, uh, we can do those mechanical things, But that does not mean that we have a heart inclined to do the will of God. The bigger thing is, do we have a heart inclined to do the will of God? Because that gives life and purpose to all those other things. And Christ set that example perfectly as he came to do the will of God. Now this leads us, uh, or, or kind of drives home that first point for us here, in, that, in verse 10, when it says, And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. That once for all is really important to, to understand. Once for all. One sacrifice for you for all time. Uh, That is that uh, you, uh, now we're going to get to number two here, but you, having come to Christ by faith, now stand before God not a sinner, but a righteous person. Because you have been wrapped up in the righteousness of Christ as you are now uh, set before um, your Creator. So you have been factually, positionally delivered from the penalty of sin. So you and I, if you are a believer in Christ, we should, we should not continue to live from a place where we think, oh, I hope I make it into heaven. Oh, I hope God will accept me into his kingdom. That work is done. That part of it is done once for all. You you will be accepted into the kingdom of God based on whether or not you are clothed in the righteousness of Christ and you are clothed in the righteousness of Christ not based on what you are doing or what you will do or have done but based on your faith in Him. That is done. That is a fixed thing that we stand upon. That we work from instead of for. And so we live out of assurance of our position with God and towards our hope of going to Him in, a, in the fullness of that. And in, so that's how we, that, that, those are the things that give us hope and confidence in the present as we are learning to be who we've been made. And that gets us to, um, into the second part. But uh, actually, I want to look at Romans chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. And we're going to come back to Romans again. Romans chapter 8, 1 and 2. 
There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Now this is not a maybe. This is not a process-oriented thing. This is an act done by God once for all, as Hebrews says. It is complete. That line has been crossed. That threshold has been crossed when your faith was placed in Christ. And God now looks upon you when you... Scripture, remember, Hebrews says that, uh, that it's appointed to man once uh, to die and then the judgment. Well, as we stand before God for judgment, that judgment is going to be run through the righteousness of Christ. That is that you, as a believer, have been covered with the righteousness of Christ and, and escape the judgment of God against your sin. Because Christ has fully paid for it. That is something we stand upon. Look at verse uh, eleven. Or yeah, look at verse eleven in Hebrews chapter chapter ten. We talked about the priesthood and the sacrificial system there, and all that. Says, and every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, which is a a beautiful picture that I think I've mentioned to you before, but I'll mention mention it again. There is such a huge contrast going on here that every priest stands. Jesus Christ sits. Why? Why the difference? Jesus, remember it's just pointed out to us, Jesus is our great high priest. He is the ultimate, supreme, superior high priest. So why Jesus? Why does Jesus sit, all the other priests stand? It's precisely because they offer repeatedly the same sacrifices that can never take away sins. But when Christ came, he offered for all time at one sacrifice of sins himself, and it, it was sufficient, complete, His work was finished, so he sits down now at the right hand of the Father. Waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And we have a little bit different uh, uh, presentation here of sanctified, which leads us into that second dynamic of of, sanctification. of sanctification. So we have the one which is deliverance from the penalty of sin, but the second one is deliverance from the power of sin, the hold of sin on our life, the effect that sin has on us on, from day to day. Now we, if you haven't noticed, we don't live in heaven yet. This is, this is not our home yet. And so there is going to be this side of heaven a continual tension that we live uh, with. This tension of, I don't belong here, I'm going to something better, but there are things here that, that uh, I'm going to struggle against, struggle with. In fact, as we think about this second part of sanctification, uh, that is that we are being made like Christ, that 
having now been saved and made a child of God, we are now learning to live like that. That is essentially what that second point is, deliverance from the power of sin, that we are now learning to be the people who God has already made us. So you are a child of God. Now the Holy Spirit, if you walk in tandem with the Holy Spirit, you are learning to now be a child of God. You have been made one. Now you're learning to be like one. The whole, as the Holy Spirit teaches us what a child of God does, what a child of God thinks, what a child of God desires. And the interesting thing about this is I think we have this tendency to, to maybe even think that um, if we are really living in this, this zone where we're being sanctified, where we're being delivered from the, from the power of sin in our life, that that means that we're free from the struggle of it. Actually, it's exactly the opposite. I mean, one of the signs that we are being sanctified is that there is conflict within us regarding sin and a broken world. Um, In fact, the absence of that conflict in us should be a warning sign to us that, that either we're really missing some stuff this side of heaven or we've settled into a place where we're okay with all of it. That we're okay with with the existence of sin in our life. We're okay with the existence of sin around us. But that shouldn't, for a child of God, um, if we're walking with the Holy Spirit, in fact, one of the things that we're going to find as we grow in our maturity is that it's almost like that conflict elevates. As God confronts aspects of our life where we are still holding on to sinful habits and selfish desires and in uh, pride, things that maybe God didn't point out uh, to us when we first came to him, but was, ha, is gracious to slowly teach us these things um, little by little and, con- and continue to form us into the image of Christ. And so this is where we have been sanctified, and this is where it can be a little bit confusing, and which is why I wanted to talk about it today. But you'll see these terms in Scripture, uh, like in our passage today, where on the one hand it's you are sanctified, and on the other you're being sanctified. And, well, hold on, how is it both? Well, this is why, because God has made you holy. He is making you holy, that is, helping you to learn how to act like the child of God that he has made you. And he is taking you to uh, holiness. He is taking you to a place where you will be totally and completely forever removed from the struggle with sin. So we'll get to that in just a moment. Verse 15. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us, for after saying, this is the covenant, that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. So what, what, what Scripture is speaking to here, the effect of, of the Holy Spirit here in our lives is that we are being transformed conformed into the image of Christ 
says, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts. I will write them on their minds. The Holy Spirit's uh, job is, is exactly that. That is what he does in our life. That the Holy Spirit is active within us to teach us, to lead us, to convict us, to correct us, to empower us, to strengthen us, to fill us. And so we, we are not looking to, uh, as believers, we're not so much looking now to these external laws to give us guidance, but rather God has written them on our heart as the Holy Spirit is teaching us and leading us. Not, not that we, uh, that is not to say that we know everything we need to know, we understand everything we need to understand, that we don't have need for input outside of ourselves, but rather that that, that God has put these things now in our heart and is teaching us to live according to that, to walk in step with the Spirit of God. We are becoming, um, by experience, what God has already made us by position. And so day by day, um, we are looking and acting and thinking more like a child of God. And so when you, re- when you see that struggle day to day, when you're encountering that conflict of, of sin in your life, of sin in the world, uh, that, that is, I think, one thing that, that uh, perhaps James would just say, you know, consider it all joy, brothers. Consider it all joy. This is a sign that God is working in your life, that he is growing you, stretching you, molding you, conforming you into the image of Christ. So don't be discouraged in this. In fact, scriptures say that what God has begun, he's going to complete. Romans chapter 8, as we uh, look at that one more time, Romans chapter 8, verse 11 says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. This, this passage right here, the verses 11 uh, through 17 kind of hit on all three dynamics of sanctification. One, that you are a child of God, but you're learning how to act like a child of God, and you're moving towards um, that, that inheritance that God has given us in eternity. In fact, if you flip over there to verse 29, um, 
Well, it may not be flipping over for your Bible, I don't know, but in mine it is. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. There is a process going on right now for us. We are being conformed into the image of Christ as we walk in step with the Holy Spirit. In fact, as we look further on into Romans, as they... as uh, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul builds on this. Says Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is where we live right now, this side of heaven. But we're going to this last part, this, this third dynamic, and that is deliverance from the presence of sin. The longer we struggle against sin, I think the more that we, we uh, if you were to read the rest of, of Romans chapter 8 there, the more that we resonate with the Apostle Paul when he recognizes there's a struggle going on that sometimes is just flat out exhausting. And there's a groaning within us just like there's a groaning in all creation that, that looks forward to the day when this is done. Um, when this struggle is done and when we get to live in the fullness of what God created us to be. In fellowship with him. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 11. says, In him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory." And I want to point out something about these three dynamics. The first one and the third one, they're done or as good as done. Right? So the first one, God has forgiven you if you are a believer in Christ. You are free from the guilt of sin before Almighty God. And you are covered in the righteousness of Christ. The third one, God is going to make good on His promise And the Holy Spirit is our guarantee that we're going to inherit that possession. That we are going to go into the kingdom of God. That is going to happen. Two things that are really totally God to do. The one in between requires our cooperation. Us becoming like Christ, us learning how to live like a child of God requires us to work in cooperation with the Holy Spirit in our life. To be learning and growing and submitting ourselves to Him. If you were to turn with me to to 1 John there, towards the end of your your scriptures, 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, says, And now, little children, abide in Him, so that when He appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from Him in shame at His coming. 
If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. See that, uh, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is, and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. The Apostle John here touches on all three of those dynamics. In the, in, he says, we are God's children now. That one's done. Right? But, and if we are God's children, then he says, well, then we will practice righteousness up there in verse 29. And we will purify ourselves. There's a process of us now learning to live like it. But then he says, but what we will be, it's not yet, it's not yet come into our understanding and our experience yet what we will be when Christ appears. But we know one thing, we'll be like him. That we will be perfected. That we will be glorified in the way that God had always intended for us to be. Free from sin, free from corruption, free from the struggle of sin. Now, believer, I just, I want to encourage you because uh, the struggle with sin can be tiresome. Uh, I know you know that. I'm pointing out the obvious. Um, But it can be tiresome. It can weigh heavy on the soul. But it is that struggle that is a constant reminder that one, you are saved from it. You are saved from from the penalty of sin. And you are going to a place where you will be free from even the presence of sin. And right now, God is using that struggle with sin to teach you what it is to be a child of God. And so don't be afraid to lean into that struggle and trust him through it. You are not the first one to go through it and you won't be the last. In fact, if you look at your scriptures and even read the Apostle Paul himself, he talks about this struggle with sin for himself. How he toils with that. And is often times even discouraged. But it is by God's grace that we continue on. And he will see you through it. He will. He will never leave you or forsake you. There will be times where maybe you feel like you're in the valley of the shadow of death all by yourself. But you're not. We're not. And we cling to the promises of God because the overwhelming message of Scripture is he is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. He will not abandon you. He will not abandon you. So hang in there, guys. One foot in front of the other. Because sometimes that's all you can do. And trust that God's got you wherever that foot lands on that next step. And for you that have not trusted Christ, it is a fearful thing to place yourself in the path of God's judgment. But he has offered to you one to make you by right a child of God. 
if you will turn to him by faith. Number two, to have his presence be with you every single day until you get to heaven to teach you what it means now to be a child of God and to be in fellowship with you. And then three, to take you home to glory in a place free from all the struggle of the sin and corruption of this world. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you've given us this hope of heaven. And Lord, we even thank you that in the midst of of our daily life that that the struggle of it is also a constant reminder, Lord, that you are at work. As your Spirit teaches us and leads us step by step into being more and more the child of God that you have made us. Lord, I ask that you would just continue to teach each one of us daily um, what it means to belong to you that you would help us understand um, by your word, by your spirit, Lord, just what it is to desire the things that a child of God desires. What it is to love the things that a child of God loves. Uh, What it is to be um, revolted by the things that a child of God is revolted by. Lord, just help us to to be the child of God, live like the child of God that you have made us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for the the promise that we have and that we look forward to that one day we'll be free from this. But in the midst of it, Lord, we get to experience you at work in our lives day by day, leading us, teaching us along the way to minister to our soul, to, Lord, remind us of your presence, to hear our prayers, and to answer them. Lord, thank you for the work that you have done, the work you are doing, and then that which we will experience as we leave this body behind someday. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to leave you with this question to, to ponder. Um, so God has saved you. If you're a believer in Christ, he has saved you. And your promise of eternal life is secure. But in, in the interim, uh, you are in process of learning what it means to be a child of God. And to act like one. And my question to you, for you to chew on this week, is how are you doing at cooperating with that process? How are you doing at, at looking to him and, and, uh, and seeking to walk as Jesus did? Lord, I have come to do your will. Because that requires your submission to him, your trust in him in the, in the, in the meantime here. And I just want to challenge you as you think about this new year and lean into it a little bit. I want to challenge you to think uh, what things maybe you might adjust in your the way you do life to walk more fully in step with him that you would learn what it is to be a child of God Lord bless and keep you uh, let me let me pray for us and then uh, you guys are uh, dismissed to hang out and talk or move downstairs to potluck but uh, let me just go ahead and pray over our meal and give thanks for that 
Lord, I thank you so much for, once again, for saving us, and I thank you for the fellowship of, of the body of Christ and for your work among us, Lord, to save us and to teach us and to lead us to glory. Lord, I thank you for the ways that you provide for us, and I thank you for this meal. And uh, Lord, I ask that you would bless, uh, bless our time together, Lord, with conversation that builds one another up towards Christ-likeness and that encourages the souls of those who sit around the tables together. And we thank you in Jesus' name, amen.